We're going to uh, conclude today uh, our series, Identity. And we've been looking at our identity in Jesus Christ. Paul, the writer of the New Testament letter of Ephesians, he is a man that I like to tell you every time that he, um, he once hated Christians. His job was murder Christians, and he did it very well. And then he has an encounter with the risen, resurrected Jesus Christ, and he gives his life to Christ. It's a historical fact. This man was a scholar, a brilliant man. Um, and as he changed, he now plants churches in the Mediterranean, and he's maybe the driving main force behind all the spreading of Christianity in that Roman Empire. And he writes this letter, Ephesians, from prison because he's imprisoned for his faith in Jesus Christ. And you and I thought we had it rough, huh? And he writes this letter. So we're going to conclude today, but I want to let you know that where we're going in the next three or four months here, uh, we decided to put in a little two-week series starting next Sunday. It's going to be called Everyone, and you'll see what that's all about. It's going to be great two weeks. Then after that, on the 26th, we'll start a marriage series. You say, well, I'm single. Yeah, but you might want to get married one day. So uh, it's going to be a good series for you to come to and, underst- and learn some things. And then for four weeks, I think we'll do that, maybe five. Then we'll go into a series called um, Space, uh, where we create uh, a little bit of cushion in our lives. Because how many know you need time cushion, financial cushion, you know, cushion away from work? Any amens on that one right there? Otherwise, you just go nuts after a while, and life just becomes a rat race, and you don't want to get caught up in all these things. You want to be able to experience life and have some downtime in your life on a, on a weekly, regular basis. Otherwise, you just get so anxious, so filled with anxiety. Um, so that's where we're going to be going, and then we'll hit the Easter season. It'll be a really, really good time. So today, I'm going to talk about I am a warrior, uh, because we've looked at who we are, who we are, who we are, then we looked at how we are within who we are, and then we're going to look at more how we are within who we are in Christ, as Paul writes. Um, one of the things that bothers me, and inside it does somewhat offend me, I don't verbalize this to people, but when I hear every so often, it's rare, but I hear it, when they say that Christianity, you Christians, Christianity is just a crutch for weak people. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, it really offends me on the inside because... That just tells me that people really don't understand the battle they're in, is even as a non-believer, and they don't understand uh, that Christianity is an all-out war every day of your life, that you've entered into a battle. And, uh, and this battle is not like a normal battle in the sense that it's physical, it's a spiritual thing, but nonetheless, it's bloody, it's, uh, it's turbulent, it's tormenting, and it's not without a, a lot of casualties, if you know what I mean. And we've all, I, hope, I think if you've been in church a while, I've been in church 40 years, but you've seen the casualties where somebody will get shipwrecked in their faith and just walk away from Christ because something went wrong and the enemy came in strong or maybe they began to doubt, the enemy started, they believed lies of the enemy or you know, maybe they just grew cold and there's a lot of apathy in Christian Americans right now. A lot of apathy and they just drift away from the fellowship, from the church they attend and they just do things like that. And you see the casualties. And so I want us to bring around to we're a warrior. I think the best way in a physical sense to maybe describe how bloody and what the battle's like, uh, uh, how many of you ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? You ever seen that movie right there? See, uh, see, second service, first service, they don't raise their hand for these things. And I don't know if they've ever watched movies in their life. I'm not sure about that. Uh, I think they just stay home and read books all day. But uh, 
But if you want to know, to give, I should say, to give you a, a vivid imagery of what the battle we're in is like, remember, the, if you've never seen Save It in Private Ryan, those of you who've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Just go watch the first 30 minutes of that movie. Just go watch the invasion of Normandy and see what those young soldiers went through when those barges came up toward the shore and the front doors dropped and bullets are flying and they're having to charge the shore and the Germans are shooting at them. And it, it's just, I, I just can't even imagine in my wildest imagination what it would have been like to be there just trying to attack the shoreline to get, to get the beachhead on these people. That's, that's what your faith is like every day of your life. Whether you understand that, believe that, or even know that, You are in a battle. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, which means us on a daily basis. Any amens on that? So I want us to start off with that kind of visual in our mind. Now hold that thought because we're going to go through the last time on our verse for the series and then our tagline because this is where the series ends now. We start a new one next week. Put Ephesians 2.10 up on the screen. And I'm going to count to three. I want all of us to read it together because the New Testament says, pay attention to the public reading of Scripture. So let's publicly read it. One, two, three. For we, as workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And every week I tell you workmanship is the idea. We get our word poem. And if we submit ourselves and yield to what God says in this word, um, then you're going to see that God will rewrite the lines of our life because we all can admit, I think, that we, even if you're not a follower of Christ, that we've written some pretty bad lines here and there in our life, right? And so we want to trust God in His Word because this is the truth, whether you believe that yet or not, this is the truth of God. So our statement has been this, you were but you are. Would you say that with me? You were but you are. Say it again. You were but you are. In other words, I was this way. Then I come to Christ, and there should have been somewhat of a radical transformation there in your attitude and your viewpoint of life as the Spirit of God came to live in you, and now you are this. You begin to walk this way, and that's where people that you once ran with and doing some things that you now wouldn't do, they're like shocked that you even changed. Anyone remember that day when they're shocked over you, and they're like, you know, what's your problem? Jim, why'd you change? Well, let me tell you why. Great opportunity to share your testimony with them. So here's what we're going to do today. I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians 6, or if you have an app, and if you don't have either one of those, it'll be up on the screen. I'm going to take you, we're going to read verses 10 through 18, we're going to, we're going to comment and, and teach through verses 10 through 18. I'm going to go through four quick bullet points, you have 10 fill-ins, that's a lot for me, you usually have three, maybe five at the max, so for me to, I like to memorize, that memorizing 10 points was my mind almost fried trying to do that, okay? So I got to use my notes a little bit. So four quick bullet points and six main points as we get into the main crux of what I'm going to teach on today that Paul is laying out to us. So here we go, four quick bullet points first as foundational pieces. And that is number, the first bullet point is, I fight in God's strength. If I'm a warrior, I must fight in God's strength. Now watch verse 10 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord, and in the strength of his might. Now notice right there, the key words are in the Lord and in his strength. See, the devil, I've been a a Christian 40 years. I read the Bible a couple hours a day. Uh, I do all the things that are spiritual disciplines, but do you think the devil is really has a problem afraid of me? Not really. He's not afraid of you either, but let me tell you who he's afraid of. He's afraid of Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Any amen on that one? 
So I got to fight in God's strength. You say, well, man, I'm, I feel like I always fail or I'm weak. Let me tell you something about God. When you're weak, then God is at his strongest in your life. Any amens? Because that's what's called the grace of God that's on your life, that God favors you no matter what's going on in your life at the moment. So I've got to use my divine resources to, because the devil is spirit, the demons are spirit, and therefore I cannot fight spirit in the physical. I must fight spirit with my spirit and the spirit of God. So I fight in God's strength. The second bullet point is this one right here. God needs soldiers not civilians. God needs soldiers, not civilians. Now, let's, um, um, let's read verses, uh, verse 11. It says this. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, notice this. There's an armor we must put on, and that's going to be six points today, but there, we're to put on the armor of God. Well, we have an enemy, and it says he schemes. And the word schemes means methodologies. Have you ever noticed that the enemy, the devil, will use the same method on you every time? Has anyone ever noticed that? It's the same methodology, and he, he doesn't come up with a lot of things. Nobody comes up with new stuff now and then. But he's got all these methods that tries to scheme to get you and I to bite, to fail, etc. And we're to put on the full armor of God. Now, here's our problem, I think, is that there are just a number of Christians that only put on the full armor of God when our life is going downhill. Any amens? So we come back, oh God, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be a worshiper in church. I'm going to start to tithe. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do all that. And then things get better. And it's like, well, whatever happened to that person? And then they walk away and they're not walking in the armor of God anymore. We've got to be careful with that because consistency in anything in life is vitally important for growth. The third bullet point is this. Do not mistake the real enemy. Do not mistake the real enemy. Verse 12 says this says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness and the heavenly places. Did you guys notice how many times it says against? That there's an against. There's something pushing back on us all the time. There's a real enemy. Don't mistake it for the false enemy. Now, when he says that our battle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it means this. Your fight is not with humans. Your battle is not with that family member. Your fight is not with your boss. Your battle is not with your spouse. Your battle is not with your children. Your battle is not with your parents. Your battle is not with your neighbor who's a little bit wacky. Your battle is not with the Christian who's sitting on that side of the room because you moved over to this side because you didn't like something they told you. Your battle is not even with them. That is not. We are wasting our time in those types of battles. We are wasting our time in unforgiveness and bitterness with you. Our battle is against invisible forces called the devil and demons. Any amens on that? And the moment we start to understand that, we walk in a whole different worldview and we're not so caught up in things that are just going to waste our time. We need to utilize in time intentionally and start fighting to bring people into the kingdom of God instead of pushing people away from ourselves. Now, the fourth bullet point is this one. Satan will come in like a flood. Has anyone ever experienced that one? Like about 85,000 times, right? Now look at verse 13, it says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. Remember the against, the against, the against. Now you've got to resist 
in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Now, the first thing is, Paul calls something an evil day. What is an evil day? Let me tell you what an evil day is. It's when life goes from good to bad to worst. Now, we know what that feels like, right? We know when the enemy is all out, he's after our family, he's after our marriage, he's after our finances, he's after our health, he's after everything that we've got because it says the thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. I don't know why I'm cracking here, it must be something, but don't worry about it. I'll crack the whole service. It's okay. I might even pop and break dance, but it's okay. But, but God says, stand firm, stand firm. Let me tell you what Paul is saying. He is saying, we do not fight for victory, we fight from victory. Let me say it again. I fight from victory, not for victory. I'm already victorious because of Jesus Christ. And you need to start thinking like that. It's like this. Let's say we're all on a basketball team. And we are winning 999 to nothing. Is the outcome in doubt? No, the outcome in doubt for our eternity is not in doubt. We, we, it's, it's a done, done deal. Am I right? Let me tell you why it's a done deal. Besides that we put our faith in Jesus. If you're like me and I'm like you, how many of you like the Avenger movies? Thank you, second service. Because now the illustration will work. But the last movie, Endgame, that moment when Thanos and all the evil forces and they've killed half the people in the universe and, and, and they're, they're, they're making their stand and all the Avengers are there because Doctor Strange has brought them all through the time portals. Anybody remember that? Yeah. I wish I could do that. But anyway, and so they, they're battling. Remember when Captain America stands there and he says, Avengers, assemble. And, they, and then you're like, oh my gosh, this is it. I've waited 11 years for this moment through all the movies, you know. And then and they fight and they battle. There comes that scene because there's carnage and there's blood and it's a mess. And all of a sudden there's that moment in time where Iron Man picks up the gauntlet. That's the gauntlet that goes that Thanos had with the Infinity Stones and how he had the power to kill half the universe. But it also gives you the power to defeat Thanos and to bring everyone back. And Captain America looks at Stark, and Stark looks at Captain America, and Stark puts it on Iron Man, and he snaps his finger, and the power is too much. When he snaps his finger, he kills all of Thanos and the evil empire, and he stores everything. But to my sadness, Tony Stark dies. Isn't that awful? I don't want to think about that anymore. But someone, because see, Hollywood always steals the script, don't they? Someone went through a lot of carnage, torture, pain, blood, to be able to restore humanity to a, a possibility of salvation and to destroy the evil dictator, the devil and his demons, and that was Jesus Christ. And he didn't put on the, the gauntlet with the infinity stones. He went to that cross and he took all of our sins and he died in our place and he was buried. Three days later, he rises from the dead to offer us new life and you can take him up on that offer. It's not automatic, but if you take him up and put your faith in him as the only God, Messiah, and Savior, you too will be saved. Make sense on that one right there? Okay, good. 
So we are winning. We, we fight from victory. It's a done deal, not for victory. So here we go, six things. Here's our, the way we battle. Here's the fight that we do. We're going to dress for success today. Number one in your notes, I hope you take notes, stay in and trust God's word. This is one of my burning desires for Christians. Stay in and trust God's word. Verse 14 says, stand firm. There it is again. Therefore, having girded your loins with truth. I'll stop there because I'm going to read that second part of the verse in the next point. Now, Paul now is going to use Roman soldier imagery that people that he's writing to can understand because they see it all the time. Roman soldiers would wear these long tunics down to the ankles. Now, when it says gird your loins, some translations say put on the belt of truth. That's a good visual for you and I, a better way to say it probably, because the loin area isn't here. But what would happen when they go to battle, they would pick up the tunic and they would tuck it in the belt. The same way that Peter and the gang, when they'd fish, they wore long tunics, but they wore a belt. They'd pick up the tunic, tuck it in the belt. That way they can maneuver without tripping. In that belt, they would also have the breastplate that would be connected tight into the belt. Also, the sword would be attached to the belt. So if you think about the belt, it held everything together for that Roman soldier when he's in the middle of battle. Any amens? So he says, put on the belt of truth, God's truth, God's word. Without God's word, like them without that belt, they would fall apart in battle. How many of us in this room, we, we, we chronically live in worry, fear, stress, and anxiety? Anybody? Come on, be honest, man. That's one of the tactics of the devil right there. Now, we get stuck in opinions, our own or others or this or that. And we need to go back to the belt of truth because you see, when he attacks us with worry and fear and anxiety and what if and all these things, I need to combat those lies with the truth of God's word. And it says things like, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Any amens on that? I need to go back to Isaiah when he said, you will keep in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast on you, God. Any amens on that one right there? I need to go back to what Jesus said when he talked about worry. He said, Jim, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I'll take care of your needs, and don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. Leave it there. I'm taking care of you right now. Any amens on that one? See, I need to go back to that stuff. I, need to, I don't need to go back to what you think or they think or I feel or this possibility or what the news says. No, that is not it. This is the belt of truth right here. Now, the second thing is this. I'm dressed for success. I am wrapped in the righteousness of God. This is a big point. Watch the end of verse 14. It says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, I am wrapped in the righteousness of God. How many of you... Have ever eaten a bacon-wrapped hot dog? Is that one of the greatest things ever? I mean, uh, uh, bacon wrapped around a hot dog? Are you kidding me? You could wrap bacon around anything and it's good. Right? I think so, anyway. Wrapped. 
And it changes everything when it's wrapped. Well, we, are, we have a breast, the, the Roman soldier have a breastplate protects the heart. But Paul says the breastplate of righteousness. We're wrapped in righteousness. Let me try to explain. When you and I, if you have put your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord and the only God, if you've done that, at that moment in time, the blood of Jesus is now washed away your sins, but you take on a righteousness that's not your own. Paul would also write in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, that we, you and I, put faith in Jesus, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You and I as Christians have taken on the righteousness of the holy God of the universe. Is that amazing or what? Let me tell you what that means in case you don't, you're not understanding me yet. Now, that means this. That means that I live in a standing before God. There's two. I'm a standing and I have a state. My state is I sin and I sin probably every day somewhere. Any, anybody with me on that one? Good. There's eight of you honest right now. Your spouse or friends would tell otherwise. Now, my state is I sin. But my standing is before God I'm righteous all the time, Right? Right? That never changes. Because it's based on what God has done in my life and my faith in Him. Now, where would you rather dwell? In your state or in your standing? I'd rather dwell in my standing. If I live in my state, I'm always going to put myself down. Am I not? Because I didn't get it right again. I live in my standing. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you what that means in my life and in your life. I don't wake up in the morning and say things like, I got to be righteous. I got to be righteous. I got to be righteous today. I never do that. You know why? I am already righteous. So I look in the mirror every morning and go, righteous, dude. No, I don't do that. (laughs) But I get close. See, I don't wake up in the morning. My last name is Martin del Campo. That's the whole last name, Martin del Campo. But Martin's too long. I don't wake up in the morning going, come on, today you're you're a del Campo. You're a del Campo. You got to believe it. I don't do that. I'm already a del Campo, right? Because when I was born, it's on my birth certificate, my parents okayed it, that I am James Martin Del Campo. And that's a done deal that was done back then. So I don't doubt that. So why would you doubt that you're a child of God? Why would you doubt things in your life? You are the righteous of God. It's a done deal. It's on your heavenly spiritual birth certificate. You are born again. And that's a, that's a done deal. Any amens on that one right there? See, See here's my deal. Here's what I like the pro- about. I love the prodigal son story because he comes home and he stinks and he's dirty and he's, you know, you, you, you hug him. He's like Pepe Le Pew. You're like, oh, you know, some of you don't even know who that is, do you? I am so offended by that right there. How many of you know who Pepe Le Pew is, you know? You hug that guy, you're like, stinks, you know? But then the father, the first thing he puts on his stinky son is, when the son repents, he puts on the robe, dad's robe. It covers the full body. You can't see the stink in the dirt anymore. And that's what happened the moment we become a Christian. We're the righteous of God. We're wrapped up. We're a bacon-wrapped righteous dude now. And never forget, if you forget that, then you're going to have a lot of tr- trouble in your daily battles against the enemy. Settle it. It's a done deal. Number three, and that's this, I have peace. I have peace. Verse 15 says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of 
peace. The Roman soldiers, their shoes, they would have little spikes on the bottom of them like a football player has spikes. Why? When they're in battle, they, you don't want to slip and slide all over the place because you will die. You have to have sure footing. Let me tell you something. What keeps me calm and you calm in the day of evil is the peace of God in my life. When you and I have problems at home, when you and I have problems at work, when you and I have problems in our finances, when you and I have problems with anything or anyone, when the devil comes in like a flood and you get some really bad news, do you have peace? Or are you slipping and sliding all over the place? Is that when you vacate God and say, well, I'm leaving church for a couple months until it gets better? Have you shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Do you have peace? I had to make a turn in my life years back. Um, this church, it started in 1992 out of my, the back room of my home. That's how we started it. 22 people. God wanted me to do it. I said, okay, I'll do it. I had no experience in planting a church. Imagine the stress of that one. But... What you see up here when I teach, it's like five minutes or 5% of the ministry. It's, it looks glamorous. But you don't know the 95% behind the scenes. You know, I like that. You've heard me say that. I like the statement. I don't live by it, but I like the statement. The more I'm around people, the more I like dogs. <laughs> Anybody know what I mean by that? Because Christians can, and I'm talking with Christians, they can, they can really be crazy. You don't know. But the pressures, and, and those of you who own a business or anything like or even if you're a father with kids, you know the pressures. I finally borrowed a statement from another preacher. I thought, I, I need to live by that because it's just too much pressure. Because when you have a day or two and it's nice and easy, and then all of a sudden, pow, bottom falls out, and you're facing crisis after crisis. But I, I borrowed this statement. I live by it now. It's that God... This church, New Beginnings, it was your idea. It wasn't my idea. Therefore, it's your, your responsibility to take care of it. That statement gives me peace. Because when things are going south, or when things aren't working out the way I'd like, it's like it's God's problem. I will continue to co-labor. I'm not running for my position, but it is God's problem. And therefore, I put the spikes on the bottom of my feet. I shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I can stand firm in the battle and not slip and slide all over the place. Does that make sense? Okay, good. And number four, I have a shield of faith. I have a shield of faith. Verse 16, it says this, in addition to all. In other words, everything I've just said, do that and then do this too. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, here's how it works. Now Paul is taking us to a shield of the Roman soldiers for imagery. It's about four and a half feet tall. It's made of wood. There's iron all around it, and it's covered in leather. 
The reason why there's leather is they would dip that thing in water before battle because they knew the enemy was going to shoot arrows that are, that are fire on the tip. So when they hit that shield, that wet leather would extinguish the fire of the flaming arrow. Does that make sense? The enemy is always shooting missiles into our head, is he not? And so my shield of faith... I put that thing up so when he's shooting the missiles, what I believe keeps those missiles from penetrating into my mind. Remember in that series in my right mind, I said, as, a, as he acts within himself, so he is, as we act as the gatekeeper of our mind. Remember that series? You got to put up the shield of faith, what you believe. In other words, you can't just say amen on Sunday. You got to take what you amen to on Sunday and you got to live it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come back Sunday again, get filled up because this is the filling station and we're not even charging you $3.17 a gallon. You got you to come and fill up and, and you got to live these things. You got to give it all you got. That's your shield. I'm a Star Trek fan. Any Star Trek fans? Three of you? How many of you, I'm just curious, like me... It, 1966 saw the very first Star Trek episode on TV. Saw the first, remember that? Was that the greatest thing you ever saw? Right, bro? <laughs> I mean, and I love Star Trek because every time they go into battle, they go shields up, Kirk shields up. You know, he's so cool, shields up. I always like Kirk. And then they shield up and then take all the hits, you know, proton torpedoes. And then he goes, what's the damage report? Where are the shields? The shields are at, you know, 45%. He goes, Scotty, I need more. And Scotty goes, I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. You know. For those of you who know who Scotty is, okay. Well, the shields, you need the shields up. And your shield is that shield of faith. It's what this word says. It's not what you feel. It's not what someone else thinks. It is your shield, my friend. When the enemy shoots the missiles, the shield goes up, go, ah, 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 okay? And it extinguishes all those flaming missiles. The fifth one is this. I am absolutely saved. This is one you need to get. Don't just amen it. Get it. Now watch verse 17, it says, and take the helmet of salvation. I'll stop there because I'm going to read verse 17 in the next point. The helmet. What do helmets do? They protect the head. What's in the head? It's the brain. It's the control center of my life. The Roman soldier's helmet was like a modern day football helmet. It protected him against blows to the head. Does Satan try to get into my head? And yours. Absolutely, that's where he tried to do his most damage. I got some questions for you now. Let's see, and be honest now. Satan tries to get in our head this way. He says things to us like, you're not saved. Anybody? Raise your hand, if you know that. You're not saved, you're not even Christian. Oh, he says, I got some more here. He says, oh, you've committed the unpardonable sin. Or, or he says like, uh, you better look up every week to that Pastor Jim when he gives salvation call because I don't know if you really say it. Look up, look up, look up again. Because you can't possibly believe that you're saved. It didn't take the other 475 straight Sunday mornings. You're saved, guys. You believe in Jesus, you're saved. How about, how about this one? Oh, oh, because I struggle in this certain area, in this certain sin I haven't overcome yet. I'm not a Christian. Everyone raise their hand, please. Everyone of those things I told you is a lie of the devil. 
Every one of them is a lie of the devil. And see, you put on the helmet of salvation, it's a done deal. You are a saved person, right? Because the enemy comes in and he'll accuse you and accuse you and accuse you, and you need to keep that helmet on. No, I'm saved. And I got the robe of righteousness. I'm saved, man. And number six is this one. I am a walking weapon. Did you know you're a lethal weapon? Way before the movies? Look at verse 17 again, the second half of it. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now our first offensive weapon, everything before that was defensive. Now it's offensive now. I'm to take up the sword, not just any sword, but the sword of the Spirit, which is the, he gives definition, which is the Word of God. Now, what's interesting about what Paul says here is the word word. The Greek for the word word is the word rhema. It's the spoken word. In other words, I have to now practice spiritual disciplines because it doesn't just happen because I say, well, I'm going to... No, I've got to read the word, study the word, memorize some verses. I've got to meditate on it. I've got to apply it so that it's in me, in me, in me. I've got to do it regularly so that I can speak the word against my situations. Any amens on that one? And that takes diligence. That is not hit and miss. I'm on fire for a month. I'm cool for three. It's on every day. You're going, look, I told you four months ago. I said, look, just do this every day, every other day, every third day. Just try it. Four minutes. Read the Bible. Read the New Testament. If you're new to the Bible, just read the New Testament. Stay there for about two to three years. Then the next three minutes, sit still before God without your phone. Be quiet. Just don't say a word. Let him just drop thoughts in your mind. That's seven minutes in. And then take two minutes and then say, God, this is, I'd like you to heal so-and-so. Lord, teach me how to do this instead of this so I get this right. God, do this. God, do that. And then the last one minute is you just thank God for everything good in your life. And when you start thanking God for everything good in your life, you don't see all the negatives anymore. And you say, well, you don't know my negatives. Well, you don't know my negatives. You act like I don't have any negatives. Everybody has, anybody have negatives here? Yeah, now the hands go up all over the place. But if you start thanking God for all the good stuff, it just changes your attitude. But if you start doing those things, man, you start getting this word in you, and here you go. How many of you like to go out shooting? Okay. Now, when you go shooting, do you go out, you go out there with your gun or guns or tank or whatever? You, I don't know what you have. <laughs> but do you go out there and say, well, I'm not going to take bullets today. I'm just going to just... Or do you take bullets? Do you take bullets? You do? Oh, okay, you take bullets. So you don't want to just go with an empty gun. How many Christians walk around with an empty gun? I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Something happens. I don't know what to do. You don't have any bullets. You got to get your bullets. And you got to get your bullets every day. And you got to get inside of you. And so when things come up, you're able to speak the word of God, speak the word of God, speak the word of God at your situation. Am I right? And that way you're not slipping and sliding all over the place when you're in battle in the day of evil. Now, let me, am, I, am I making sense? Yes. Okay, good. Because I'm not sure. Um, now, let me, let me try to finish this thing off with a couple things. Because I always struggle with the ending. About every third week I struggle with the ending of the message. And so here's where I think I'm going. Earlier I said that he says, um, take up the shield of faith. The shield's about four and a half feet. It, the Romans, learning from the Greeks, you ever seen the movie 300? Okay. 
Remember that when they go into their phalanx, the front row, shields, and behind them, they all the shields on top, remember that? And so they're like this, they're covering, all the shields cover. So when the arrows come, they're, they're working as a group of people together and they cannot be killed or even hurt. It's a smart thing. Well, the Romans did the same thing as the Greeks. Let me tell you something about the shield. You're not going to beat the devil by yourself. You're not going to grow on your own. You're not going to make it through the day of evil because you think you're strong. You need people. You need Christian people. I need the fellowship. You know, we're, we're starting next week's our life group fair. You could sign up. Join a life group. Watch and see how that'll make you grow. Well, Jim, that earlier illustration you said about people and dogs, I'm leaning toward dogs right now. You know, no, join a life group and please don't go there and take things personal and sabotage like you've done all your life so that you have justification to stay by yourself. That is a common human problem. Have you noticed our society, they work really hard to find a way to be offended? Has anyone noticed that? When are we going to grow up? So you need people, you need the shield, you need the shield. Now, verse 18. Here's the second offensive weapon. After the sword, here's the second. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. With this in view, be on the alert. With all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Three Ps in that verse. This is your weaponry besides the sword. Everything else defensive, these are offensive. Pray. Not just pray. Pray with perseverance. Perseverance is consistency. You just just have a life of prayer. Then he says, petition for the saints. Pray for others. So I pray. I pray consistently, and I pray for others. That's an offensive weapon, is it not? Because God listens to our prayers and our petitions. Here's how I want to finish it. Let's go back to D-Day landing, saving Private Ryan, the shores of Normandy. What would have happened if those barges are coming up toward the shore. And one of the men looks up and he sees up there and all the machine guns pointing at them and all those kind of, I don't know what they call those block things on the beach that, that make you have to go around it and get caught in it and they can pick you off. What if a guy looked up there, one of our allies, American or whoever, and said, you know, guys, ah, a little too dangerous. Why don't we just stay in the barge and cruise around the English Channel? Why don't we turn this into a carnival cruise? Oh, we'd be speaking German right now for one thing. But there were people in those countries that needed deliverance. They needed us to come. Those who are strong, you bear up those who are weak. I'm going to tell you, this is not even a message, I'll tell you this one. All this craziness right now, people getting all crazy about the Iran bombing and stuff. See, you, you don't talk to missionaries like I do. And the missionaries say, don't listen to the news over there in America. Because over here in Iraq, when that happened, they started celebrating at 4.30 in the morning 
the assassination of that man because he's so evil. Because they want Iran out. Over here, our news is telling us, oh, it's terrible. No, no, because we don't live there. We are so arrogant to think we can be across the world and think we know what's going on. You need to talk to the people on the ground there and find out what's going on. Now, too many Christians, they think that Christianity is, no, don't, 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 don't charge the shore. It's, it's going to be too difficult. Let's turn Christianity into carnival cruise. No, sorry. Christianity is not a carnival cruise. It's a war. And it's a battle for us to keep taking territory and reaching lost people and to personally grow and to overcome Jesus said it best. He goes, the gates of hell. Upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will never overpower it. But if we stay in that barge, Carnival Cruise, gates of hell win. I'm going to do this every day. Every day. I'm not going to cover them again. You do this every day. Or at least every other day. And watch what happens in your life. Man, it'll be a good life. Amen. Series over. Let's